You're listening to the Irish Times. Ah, and Dormer, it do the heart good, Pat. It does. It does the heart a lot of good, <laughs> especially for people of a certain age. I'd, I'd say anybody thirty or younger is kind of going, "What?" Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but if that was your first World Cup, or if you were in Ireland during Italian ninety, yeah. that you hear that music and you immediately just think of Toto Scalacci and are indeed our own heroes, of course. You see, I lived up by the border. I think of Des Lynam because that was the BBC's music. No. Oh. And so I, I kind of, that, that phase to Des Lynam I'm talking about, which, you know. Well, which is still, that's ultimately the fine same thing. Fine Irish man as well. It also has the effect of, I find during qualification games, I can, when Ireland are trying to qualify for the World Cup, I can kind of put it behind me. You don't watch most of them. Quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to. Um, but I can, but it's, it's when we get to this stage, when we when you start buying the newspapers to get the World Cup pullouts and mm. stuff like that, that I suddenly uh, get a bit maudlin when I realise Ireland aren't in it and, and the World Cup is lacking. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, well, I wouldn't say I'm the exact opposite, as in I don't actively want Ireland not to be there. But it doesn't, it doesn't lessen the enjoyment of a World Cup for me at all, I don't think. Oh, it surely does a little bit, no? Eh, I don't think so. I mean, well, okay, maybe the enjoyment of it, but certainly the, you know, the anticipation of it. I, I anticipate a World Cup just as much whether Ireland are in it or not. I think that's the way to put it. So you're looking at it wrong now that I think of it because first of all you remember 1990 as being one of the kind of glorious and formative experiences of your life. Sure, but my the first World Cup I remember is 86. Uh, and so yeah, that okay. was the making of, of my World Cup. Yes, but I'm going to hang you here no. now because you also met your wife during the 2002 World Cup. That is true. And uh, in case she's listening, I suppose I should describe that as a happy event. Of there course. you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, indeed. And that was the last time. Who knows what could have happened if Ireland were in this World Cup? Now. I could have another wife. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's why I never want Ireland to qualify for the World Cup again. <laughs> yes, you're saving you from polygamy. Um, yeah, no, but a World Cup is a World Cup. There's nothing better than it. There's nothing beat it worldwide in terms of a sporting event. That's that's my take. I I look forward to a World Cup more than anything else, more than more than the GA championship, more than a rugby world cup, more than the Ashes, more than anything. I a World Cup comes around once every four years. It is the greatest thing. It is the greatest thing. But I, I find that the drum and the heart beats a little harder when Ireland are there too, because you, you still have the, the glory of watching, you know, Egypt versus Saudi Arabia. But you also then have, you get, and that is glorious. It is glorious, and then and then and then you get to see Ireland play uh, somebody who we've decided are now our enemy for a while. You know, mm. the, like the way we recently made enemies with Denmark. There's a bit of that, yeah. Like, I don't know. I I think the last couple of Euros was certainly the Euro 2012 when you know we were anticipating Ireland going playing Croatia, Italy, and France, and going God. You know, they won't want to play us. And then the the delight Croatia, Italy and France took in giving us an absolute hiding uh, kind of made me a little gun shy as as in, you know, looking forward to these big tournaments, having Ireland in them, getting the shit kicked out of them, basically. That's a loser talk. It is loser talk. Anyway. We will talk winner talk uh, from now to the, for the rest of this podcast. Uh, we're going to have uh, Mary Hannigan in here in a while to talk about uh, what she's looking forward to in the World Cup. And Laura Slattery from our business staff is in later on talking about the toxic brand that FIFA has become. But uh, first of all, we may as well go to one of our men on the ground out there. Emmett Malone uh, is over in Soshi and has just landed last night. How are you doing, Emmett? 
Yeah, good, good, Mel. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, still waking up slightly after a, a, a trip that ended in the middle of the night. And uh, but, but yeah, getting to grips with things. And uh, in Sochi, which uh, I know you saw in winter, I'm seeing it in summer, and it's uh, very nice. It is too. It's a very pleasant place, Sochi. Uh, I thought it, <laughs> it was so pleasant uh, during the Winter Olympics that uh, it was actually too pleasant. And uh, it's it, all right. Too pleasant. It was, yeah, because because uh, you, you set the bar a completely different way to me, Mel. Well, no, to put it this way, uh, it uh, it was too pleasant for the Winter Olympics. In that, the biggest queues uh, at the Winter Olympics <laughs> when I was there were for sun cream because it was <laughs> blazingly hot, uh, which okay. <laughs> which just drove home the uh, absolute rank decision it was to put the Winter Olympics there. Um, I remember being uh, up the up the mountain one of the days at the ski competitions, and it was hotter than it had been in London the day that Usain Bolt had won the hundred meters. No way! I swear to God. Stuff. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, well, it's it's very hot here. I I do feel I've come um, under equipped on the sunscreen front. I've uh, <laughs> and, and and not so much to Sochi as from the hotel because uh, I doubt I'll be okay. And uh, it's a very big place. Um, it's stretched out. Like it's only 400,000 people, but it's, it's, it's well stretched out. Mm-hmm. And the stadium is at one end, and my hotel is at the other end. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful drive, like along the seafront. Um, the first uh, side you catch of the stadium is just really impressive mm-hmm. across the bay. Um, see stretching out in front of you, really, really beautiful. But it's it's very warm. It's it's true, and uh, um, yeah, just still really getting to grips with it. So um, about to embark on the um, the great tradition that kicks off every journalist World Cup of walking aimlessly around the general uh, vicinity <laughs> of the stadium looking for the accreditation centre. Um, and I uh, have had several bouts, batches of uh, conflicting instructions so far on how to get there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that for my afternoon. Terrific. And uh, of course, uh, all any journalist wants uh, from arriving at a big event is for nothing to happen for the first uh, couple of days while they get their bearings. And um, <laughs> uh, the Spanish have uh, sorted that right out for you. Yeah, this this came as a bit of a shock. I, uh, as I say, I got to bed about half four in the morning after arriving in, uh, and uh, and um, and woke up uh, <laughs> to the news that the Spanish had sacked their manager. Um, <laughs> so I'm still getting to grips with that, to be honest. Um, it's a, quite a remarkable turn of events. Uh, you have to admire their their uh, decisiveness. Um, what he did was remarkable, uh, but they do seem to have. There's a there's a tone in the quotes from the federation president that they have they have taken the hump royally, um, and uh, and they've dispensed with him because there's a lot of talk about doing things the right way, you know. And uh, they they complained that uh, the federation was only told five minutes before a press release was to be uh, put out uh, announcing the appointment. Um, so they're very put out. They have good reason to be put out, I would have thought. They have acted very decisively. And um, history will judge the rest with hindsight uh, because uh, if they go on after this and, and win this competition, as I you know, would have happily tipped them to do half an hour ago, um, then it will look like a bold and, and rather brilliant move. Uh, but uh, if, if somehow it all falls apart, a la you know, France in, in 2002, then, um, then the Federation are going to take it in the neck, as, as indeed I think they're... Fr- their president pretty openly admitted. Yeah, because history ain't that far away. They were playing Portugal on Friday night. <laughs> I know, in Sochi, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, all, all that research on the Spanish coach out the window. I have to dig out a lot of stuff on Albert Salades, who I, I you know, was you know, only, only barely aware of as being the under-21 coach. Uh, um, 
uh, up until uh, a little while ago. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is amazing um, it, to do it so so close to the games. Um, I mean, the way the manager those uh, uh, behaved was remarkable uh, to 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 negotiate the deal with Real and to allow for it to be announced on the on the eve of the tournament. I mean, you, you know, we're all used to going through these tournaments, talking to managers, and and you know, at press conferences and the the press from that country. At the um, at the press conferences, asking again and again about their future because he's been widely linked, or it's believed, or it's known that he's going to a club. Um, but uh, but for it to be openly out there, for them to announce it like this is just astonishing. And um, and I kind of have to say I admired the federation for doing it, but but it is it is a gamble. It's a huge gamble, and. Um, uh, I presume they uh, they 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 um, they feel that they have the players on their side in doing it. Um, Albert Salidas, who's, who's coming in, he's a former Spanish international himself, not a not a really um, uh, you know top level uh, career, but he played for both um, both. Sorry, I say that, and I'm, I'm comparing it. You know, I, I mean it by comparison with some of the, the the incredible players that they have in the squad now. But um, but he did play for both Barcelona and Real Madrid over the course of his career, and um, and I won a few caps and. Um, He's uh, he, he follows in the footsteps of of of, of the man he replaces. He had uh, been the under nineteen coach, then under twenty one coach. This guy goes to the under sixteens, the under twenty ones, and uh, and takes over the senior team. Although he hadn't uh, had quite the the level of remarkable success with the under twenty ones that uh, that uh, Lopetegui had. So um, uh, and I'm making a other names of pronouncing that I know, but um, but look, you know, there you go. It is it is a huge it is a huge gamble. Three days before the game, the, the game, um, I thought that Fernando Hierra might come in. Uh, Salidas was part of the, co- the coaching setup for the senior squad, so in that sense, there is a direct link, and he's here, and he uh, and he slots in more easily, I guess. Um, but it's it's an amazing piece of news for for one of the real favourites for this tournament. Uh, you know, what 48 hours before it, it, it kicks off. Where uh, where had Spain uh, stood in your list of favourites, Emma? I, I think I would have had them as favourites. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that uh, I thought that over the course of the qualifying, things had come back together again. The, he had uh, he had kind of mixed, you know, a kind of core of the um, of, of the older guard and brought in some uh, some brought in some kind of good new players. And um, I mean, players that are obviously well established at clubs like Real and Atletico and. Um, and Barcelona, but but they, I thought they looked good, and um, I you know I, I think I'm not sure I'm not entirely on top of the betting. I, I think I think Brazil are uh, possibly uh, very slight favourites for this tournament. I'm not sure or Germany, but um, I just can't see Brazil winning it, and um, and the Germans haven't had such a great build up. They've they've had some issues, so um, I, th- I thought you know Spain might come back and, and and do this, but it's it's such a hard one to call the, the impact of this from a distance uh, that this would have something like this would have on the on the squad. And what's your take on Brazil? Well, my take on I, I look, I think I, I still I'm still haunted by the sight of them. I, I obviously don't get to see Brazil so often, but um, um, uh, I'm still haunted slightly by the sight of them being utterly dismantled uh, by by Germany four years ago. Um, I don't think they have the level of competition in um, in South American qualifiers that uh, that that um, perhaps the Germany and Spain would have. I think that they have certainly a, a hugely talented squad. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the, how the, how things kind of settle down in, in you know in the tournament and, and what the final team is. But obviously, with Neymar and Coutinho, they've hugely um, and, and Jesus uh, Jesus uh, they've hugely talented uh, attacking units again. 
But I think not for the first time it comes down to whether they can defend their way through an entire World Cup without um, without things going going wrong as they did four years ago. And uh, I'm not quite so sure about that. They certainly uh, have a, a kind of a beef around midfield that they may have struggled with in, in previous tournaments. Like, you know, the Casemiro, Fernandinho and Paulinho. Yeah. You know, there, there's enough there to, to, to uh, give the, uh, the fancy lads a far greater uh, spectrum <laughs> to, to play about in. Yeah, I think, I think that is true. In, in four years ago, that, 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 that balance was kind of slightly, slightly off and they got completely overrun by the Germans in midfield. That's for sure. That day, they, they, they were completely, uh, they were completely taken to the cleaners. Their defense was very badly exposed. And, and look, I mean, they, um, they probably look a better side when Dave, David Lewis, you know, isn't a central defender. Thiago Silva has, has, has become, you know, a, a really, uh, outstanding, uh, defender. Um, they will still have Marcelo and uh, Dani Alves probably at, at, at full backs. They're 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 strong attacking unit, as you say. They are beefed up in midfield. I'm 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 not saying they won't be there at the end. Uh, just for me, uh, you know, up until this, I think probably Spain ha- had an edge. Um, I think that uh, um, uh, you know, look, uh, I think that one of the things about the, 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 these larger tournaments over the last twenty years in the World Cup is that uh, it's rare that the good teams are are in any way seriously tested in the early stages of the competition. I think Spain would have had that as well with Portugal um, on Friday um, and uh, would have wanted to win that game um, in order to win the group. And I think that would have, uh, would have been, a, a, you know, a, a, an early strong run out for them. Now it's probably more vital than ever, but, um, but I don't, uh, I don't really see, I don't really see uh, Brazil kind of having uh, the, the toughest of routes to the knockout stages. So I think it's going to be a while yet before we see, uh, you know, I mean, what they have Switzerland to start with, and Costa Rica, and uh, and then Serbia. I, I I don't think we're going to see them really test it until the quarterfinal stages, um, when amongst the other teams they could play. I think they could play England. Um, but yeah, um, you're right. Actually, in ter- in terms of uh, of of you know route through the tournament, France are another yeah. team that that have a a reasonably open path in front of them, um, and another team full of. Like the, the, and, the, the, and, and Mal, you can look at that either way. It can be mm. a good thing or a bad thing. You can, mm. you can say that they can, they can, you know, focus on fine tuning everything for the big games ahead. Um, but I, but I, but I think it's useful in a way um, for for them to be tested a bit more severely because, uh, but but for certainly from our point of view, to engaging the quality of them to to see whether they really are a team that can uh, win this tournament, it's very hard to tell when they're coming coasting through a group like that. True, yeah. Uh, France and Germany, the the other two sort of big uh, European guns. Uh, England sort of maybe leading the sort of second tier of European teams. What? Who catches yeah, your fancy I, there? I, I can't. I can't see. I can't really see England um, being. You know. Uh, been involved in the in, in the business end of it. Um, I mean, they have some decent players. They have some young players. I think they've done well to sort of shift expectations. We, we haven't come here with the usual sort of talk from from Britain of them winning the tournament. There has been this sort of longer term plan put in place, and um, and I think that's that's healthy for everyone. If they do well here, it will be a surprise. It will be a very pleasant one. But if they you know get to the knockout stages and probably the quarterfinals, then I think people will will go back and see that you know as long as they've played decent football and as long as they haven't been beaten by an Iceland, then um, they're kind of generally moving in the right direction under a, under a coach that that people respect. Uh, France have an incredible array of ta- talent, um, um, and we saw against Ireland the, the the other week, you know, just how how talented they are, the depth of it. They have a, a real squad there. 
of, uh, of very capable players. If Pogba plays the way we know he can, but 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 doesn't do very often, then you know he could be a, a sensation at this World Cup. But they have Griezmann. Um, Mbappe looked wonderful against Ireland, albeit against you know in, in circumstances where he wasn't hugely tested. They shan't get. I'm not sure. There's, there are still doubts, certainly about him, and um, um, and he plays under the kind of shadow of, of of issues like Benzema and now Zidane. You know, um, having been hugely more successful as a coach so far. Um, uh, so there, so there, I think I I wonder about him. I don't think um, I don't think. France kind of set the world on fire in 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 Brazil. They were I they, I saw them go out against Germany, and I thought they were disappointing. Um, two years ago, I think the general consensus is that they probably should have won that tournament. Obviously, particularly with Ronaldo going off in the final, um, and so there's still doubts about him, and the, and he will be under under pressure here to to deliver. But um, but some of the criticism at the same time that's fired at him is unfair. And um, I mean, you know, apart you know, uh, like to take one kind of extreme example, he's been criticised for being racist though, uh, um, over the exclusion of Benzema, but. Um, and, and he came under a lot of uh, political pressure to, to impose that ban and, and to maintain it. Um, and yet, you look at the team that played against Ireland, and I don't think there was—I don't think there was a single player in that team who wasn't qualified to play for somebody else. Many of them African countries. It's, it's a remarkable situation. Emmett, um, Argentina come into this tournament with uh, what is apparently a, um, a sort of a, a brand new manager, Lionel Messi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, he's a selector uh, by all accounts. Um, sure. <laughs> and uh, it, there's a kind of in, seems to be an interesting approach this year with um, with Sampaoli and indeed his entire team. They all seem to be talking about hoping that they do Messi justice. It seems a slightly strange way for a, a big team like Argentina to be coming into a World Cup. Well, I don't think they went into the World Cup in Brazil like that. But they certainly came out of it like that. Uh, I think when things started poorly for Argentina in um, in uh, Brazil, uh, the, that 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 Messi stepped up and took control, and the coach who was there at the time decided that uh, he was willing to go along with that because there wasn't a whole lot of option. Things weren't going very well, and uh, he was going to come off very badly if uh, if he resisted Messi's uh, attempts. So the tactics were changed. They were changed at Messi's behest. And um, and he was having a very big say in the team talks. Um, so you know, uh, there's no doubt since that time, uh, perhaps before, but certainly at, at that stage, um, he showed a willingness to intervene, to interfere, um, and to lead. If if you want to look at that in in, in a more positive way, and um, you know, I don't think it's any great surprise that they're coming in four years. Uh, on into this tournament uh, that he has become a, a more central figure. They, you know, would think, I feel, in their own eyes that they have underachieved over the last few years. Um, they uh, they would want to do it for themselves, but, you know, Messi's get getting to the stage where he won't be, uh, he won't be around for many more World Cups while he probably has an, another one in him as a, as a really top-level player. Um, but even that, like, he's 30 now. Uh, if he's going to, you know, Lead lead this team to a World Cup. It's it's got to be here, and um, and I don't. I, I'm not really entirely surprised that uh, that they're that they're that he, he's become the focus of everything about the team. I think that can become unhealthy, and we saw that with Brazil four years ago, where the the carry on about Neymar was utterly absurd. And uh, when when he became injured, um, players who would have regarded themselves as major stars. Um, 
rather embarrassed themselves in the way that they uh, deferred to his greatness and um, and there was such public acknowledgement that his loss was such a gigantic blow to the team um, and it seemed very hard to imagine how that wasn't going to negatively affect the the team's performances and and, and perhaps it was a factor in the in the in the hiding by Germany um, but uh, I think there's a danger to that extent that um, that this Argentina uh, team falls into the same trap that if you uh, you start talking about Messi in those sort of terms and either he gets injured or it, you know things don't go you know generally well then he's got a problem but uh, you know he is absolutely the standout player the leader of that team and um, and so yeah look I think I think it's entirely normal that uh, that he would have a major role and certainly long established Emmett um, one last thing that I'm kind of curious about I was reading the Guardian uh, news and media. Um, information security advice for over there and one part of it says do not expect privacy assume you are being recorded at all times including in your hotel room so have you noticed people in large trench coats following you around wearing dark sunglasses uh, yet or uh, are, are you do you roll your eyes at this and and, and laugh it off <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, 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 I got those Guardian... Um, uh, some of the story uh, predates that slightly. I had, a, I had lunch with a, um, a, a guy from a, a larger media organization. He started telling me the precautions that they were taking um, out here. And, and I kind of thought it was a, bit, a little bit of a wind-up. Um, but he made it absolutely clear that, that it wasn't. And when I told him... Uh, what what our security <laughs> what our security uh, 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 kind of approach was um, he he kind of you know made one of made one of those facial expressions that suggested the entire organisation would be going under you know in a in a, in a blaze of kind of Putin uh, uh, front page photographs over the next uh, few months um, it's it, it's very difficult uh, we have in the end the Irish Times gone to quite quite some lengths to. Uh, to you know, manage our, the security of our technical systems and our, our laptops, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's remarkable the, the extent to which um, the, the warnings go. As you say, that's one of the things. Assume you're being watched. Uh, everything you know in terms of hotel. I'm t- like the lifeblood of these things. When you come away as a journalist, you um, you basically spend your time wandering from hotel Wi-Fi to hotel Wi-Fi to cafe to you know somewhere to keep in touch with things and to uh, to keep working. And um, and you're essentially told on this occasion not to trust any of them. Um, uh, I, the, the, the the thinking was that the um, that the, the the FSB here would not allow uh, the largest sort of congregation of foreign media in their country in a generation without attempting to take advantage of it and by planting stuff on, on, on laptops. And when you look at all that's gone on in the last few years, and all we know about Russia's involvement in um, in things in America and their successful hacking of of organisations with you would like to think more stringent uh, security than some of the media organisations that, that are here. You kind of think that's probably common sense. Maybe, maybe that is what they would do. You know, why wouldn't they? That's what these guys get paid for. But um, uh, trying to counter it is quite remarkable, and um, I don't doubt. Uh, <laughs> I don't doubt that for all the kind of one-page warnings that are issued um, by the end of this tournament, over the next 35 days, enough journalists will have got caught in enough tight corners <laughs> with deadlines looming that uh, that the FSB will have their evil way. <laughs> That, that'll that show him <laughs> exactly. listen Emma thanks a million uh, for taking the call we will uh, talk to you as the tournament goes on and uh, 
happy hunting for uh, for the entrance to the accreditation slot. Excellent. Thank you very much, Val. Cheers, Talk to you soon, Val. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Mary Hannigan is in with us. Mary, hello. How are you, Malky? Thanks Happy World Cup in. Eve. Happy World Cup Eve, indeed. Yeah. How are you feeling? Are you up for it? E- very-ish. Very-ish? Yeah, yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. What are you up for in particular? Well, I have to say my enthusiasm levels were middling-ish mm-hmm. until maybe a couple of days ago when I heard Freddie Flintop's World Cup song. <laughs> and at that point... <laughs> You know, Freddie Flintoff. Bring it on. Yeah. Freddie Flintoff, who I saw down in Nolan Park on Saturday night. Right. Uh, at halftime in the Kilkenny Wexford game, uh, him, Jamie Redknapp, and uh, AN other uh, English comedian guy that does be on panel shows, mm-hmm. uh, stood up to take uh, penalties against Damien Fitzhenry. Why? <laughs> now, <laughs> well, you may ask. I presume for that. Uh, What's that show? A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own. There you go. But they were actually, you mean hurling penalties? Hurling penalties, yes. Yeah. Was Freddie handy? Uh, I was I was frantically trying to write the, uh, up the first half of the game. You weren't so, paying attention, but uh, I I must say the uh, the Kilkenny crowd seemed quite yeah. uh, quite taken with them. I mm. kind of thought that that there'd be kind of studied indifference yeah. mm. to the idea of. Well, I suppose maybe maybe they don't particularly mind soccer players. It's Gaelic footballers that they'd have a problem right, with down there. Yeah. Was he Shefflin esque? I uh, in only in as much as he's a big fella. He's a tall. That's that would be about the yeah, height of it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, right. uh, that's a digression. He's 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 singing a song. He is. Yeah. He has a tune out with Ricky Wilson from the Kaiser Chiefs, and it's as good as you could imagine it to be. <laughs> it's a version of Boney M's Rasputin. Are you a Rasputin or a Rasputin person? Well, if you're going with Boney M, you're a Ra Ra Rasputin. You are. Person. But the problem is whether you're Rasputin or Rasputin, Gold Machine doesn't rhyme. <laughs> but Freddie has tried to make that happen. Ra Ra Rasputin, England's got a Gold Machine. He's Harry Kane and he's going to score. So I'm just going to give you a brief flavour. There lived a certain man in England long ago. He was big and strong. He played football like a pro. Defenders looked at him with terror and with fear, but to England fans, he was such a lovely deer. (laughs) And the lovely deer in question is Harry Kane. This song is all about Harry Kane. So it's rah, rah, Rasputin, England's got a goal machine. Right. He's Harry Kane and he's going to score. He does know that Harry Kane lives in England now, yeah, not long ago. Long ago. And in fact, long ago did not live in England. Right. Depends on, you know, and didn't live at all. And you would hope that he's a pro. Yeah. Like he plays for Spurs yeah. and he will be captaining England at the World okay. Cup. So I think there are little glitches with the lyrics, right. but I just love the fact that he's a lovely deer. That's <laughs> so. Like a fawn. Like, yeah, or a doe. And there is that element <laughs> to Harry, I think. So, um, yeah, now even if it was written in jest, which you hope it was, it's still kind of criminal, but it completely would get you in the mood for the World Cup. Because yeah, because there's not many songs around. There are very few. It's been a dearth this time. I think it's because Gareth Southgate is trying to make this a bit low-key this time and not have... But the songs in general have kind of fallen away from the World they Cup, have, haven't they? They have, which is a tragedy, because yeah. that was kind of... The highlight of our youth, really, well, when those tunes it's, came out. Uh, funny, I was reading. Um, I'm reading World in Motion, the yeah. the book about the 1990 World Cup, right. and there's a great half a chapter on you know the day 
that uh, New Order and four England players recorded. The greatest one ever, really, wasn't it? Well, certainly one of the best World Cup ones, mm. of course. I mean, Yeah, only five players turned up to record it, wasn't yeah. it? And that's how John Burns got the job of doing the round. Yeah, because it was him or yeah. Peter Beardsley. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, we'll, we'll, let, we'll, we'll let Barnsley do the rap. <laughs> but when you think about it, it's what it's kind of a mad concept. Mm. Kind of, yeah, we'll get we'll get the actual team who, are, who may Can't not sing. have anything better yeah. to be at yeah. uh, to, uh, it was almost to sing m- a World Cup song. Yeah. It was the most un-New Order-ish type thing ever. They, they were the last band on earth you would think would get involved well, in quite, something although, like that. Uh, uh, although, according to the book, the recording session itself was, was quite rock and roll. <laughs> uh, and inappropriately so, given that the team were preparing for a World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made the, a video very good, really. Indeed, yeah. Unfortunately, that footage was not included. But actually, Harry, I'm sure he's thrilled to have this tune dedicated to him. It must be a very proud moment. But um, which hopefully has made up for the fact that when FIFA released an avalanche of unnecessary facts, really, a couple of weeks ago or a week ago or so, um, among them was the list of the heaviest players at the World Cup. Now, the heaviest of all is a Roman Torres of Panama. He's 99 kilograms. I don't even know what that is in stones, but it right. sounds quite heavy. Yeah. But they had Harry Kane as the joint second heaviest player at the World Cup. They had him at 98 kilograms. Now, is that true? Or well, that? I mean... He has denied it. He is denied Harry it. Yeah, because he was asked about it, yeah. Spurs got involved. They said, no, he's 85.5, which is a hell of a drop from 98. Mm. And then the FA came in and said there had been an administrative error that he's actually 89. So he's either 98, 8.5 or 89. Well, 99 kilos is 15 stones and 8 pounds. That's a heavy lad, yeah. But um, but we know how Harry can be about like kind of <laughs> trying to you know maybe snatch goals that weren't his. So I think this is a record he didn't want. So I suspect he got the FA to get in there quickly and and make it quite clear that he's not the second heaviest player at the World Cup. So it's been an eventful build up for Harry. <laughs> more, the more I think about it, uh, of course, uh, uh, Ricky Wilson has missed a trick there. The Rasputin, yeah, whatever. But they clearly should have uh, covered uh, the Bob Dylan song. This is the hurricane. Surely oh, it should be this right. is the story of the Harry Kane. See, I, I totally didn't get that. I was yeah. pretending I did, but it, they were, that's you've missed a trick. You should have. If they win the World Cup, you should bring out that tune. I will do that. Do, you can do yeah, back in vocals. I will. <laughs> Not a problem. And I'll play banjo. <laughs> we will, uh, of course, all be watching it on TV. Uh, um, in our leisure time, but the, you'll be watching it on TV as a, yes. as a work job. Yeah, we are the only people who have not been employed by either the BBC or ITV for this <laughs> World Cup. They it's not have, too late. Well, as, as, as the Spanish FA have shown today, well, yes, there are still jobs going at this World Cup. Plenty of time for, for things to happen. But yeah, I think, I don't know what the unemployment rate is in the UK, but it's, since the BBC and ITV announced their lineups, it's dropped to zero. <laughs> Everyone is in there. So it's going to be a tricky one for us because I know our loyalty, of course, is to our home broadcaster, but ITV of Roy and Martin. So Both of them? Yeah, both of them. And Gary Neville. So Roy and Gary on the same bench could be good crack. <laughs> so um, yeah, very 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 lengthy lineup. Um, they also have Glenn Hoddle, of course. So that, that yeah. could could have people switching back to the BBC for the latter stages. 
Um, Kevin Kilban, biggest, biggest, busiest, I almost called him biggest, like Harry Kane, <laughs> busiest man in kind of football media. He's mm-hmm. everywhere. He's uh, lining out for the BBC. Who's regular, Shearer, Lampard, Rio. They have Klinsman this time, Didier Drogba. Um, Renowned spoofer, Klinsman. Yes. If, uh, yeah. if a piece I read last week on the demise of the of US soccer is anything to go by. Really? Uh, the, the, <laughs> it was based on 40 interviews about, you know, what has happened to US soccer since the last World Cup. And it was basically that Klinsman was an all-world spoofer. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have a roaring successful time of but apparently the uh, stretching routines that he implemented are now used across the board in the professional game there you are yeah. they? so it wasn't it wasn't all spoofing no I, I thought the dubs of somewhere. the 70s introduced those stretching things <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it should be the top line of a CV though you know he was good at the stretching <laughs> it's true I wouldn't exactly uh, be, be very impressive my favourite um, piece in the build up the sun uh, did a profile of Panama so um, them being one of England's uh, group opponents, very interesting piece it was too. The headline is "Ear We Ghetto: Dro- <laughs> Drugs, Guns, and Eating Iguanas." So now they told their readers the only interesting thing about Panama was Panama hats, which they said don't even come from Panama. So that kind of <laughs> but it was a it was a moving piece. It, it said about the Panama players at the World Cup. They'd be in Russia instead of dodging bullets and drug-riddled slums. So that that was, that wow. was quite a thoughtful piece. On um, the World Cup is brilliant for, for it just is. bringing out your inner racist. Well, you would it? you would have thought over the years, you know, with globalization and we're a very small globe at this stage because mm. everybody's so interconnected that that kind of carry on might have died out a little. <laughs> Not. No, Drugs, guns, no. and eating iguanas yes, is eating, quite quite. Eating iguanas, yeah. I was waiting for <laughs> a sounds, recipe for iguana. That that would have been a nice. Sounds like an exhausting to, night out. <laughs> to, to, it's just an average night for you back in Monaghan. I'd say places full of iguanas. So yeah, that 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 was kind of nice. So, which leads to the the issue we have every four years: mm-hmm. Have we matured enough as a people to now support England at this World Cup? So, what do you think? I have a little bit. Have you? Yeah, I think I'm. I think they've found a window that I'm going to support mm. them in this because I think they've. They're one of the countries that have successfully kind of industrialized their production of players, and I think they're going to be good from like in Qatar and 2026 yeah. and the the Tri Nations thing. But this year, I think they're going to be in the sweet spot of actually having nice blokes, but not a great team. Mm. So you're safe enough supporting mm. them. They'll get knocked out in the quarterfinals. And, and a manager who isn't Sam Allardyce. Which yeah, helps. and a manager who's pretty likable as well. Yeah, they is. have um, they have no no uh, blatant arseholes. They don't. There's uh, no John. John Terry, Terry retired. Time. John, yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah. helped. Now Vardy will will hold his end up. He will definitely. But other than that, they're they're quite a likable bunch. They are. Like. Which makes you know, it really hard to De- like Jesse, Jesse Lingard and Marcus Rashford uh, are forever uh, sending each other, slagging each other over Instagram uh, about like wearing each other's shoes and stuff like that. And you're going, this is this. It's this very, is very, sweet. very sweet, it low is. grade stuff. Yeah. Like, how could you not get behind these? They're people? like little eight year old mates. Like, and uh, yeah. and the more that uh, like it was, it was very noticeable. The sterling stuff. Uh, the the Raheem starting stuff like sort of two weeks ago three weeks ago like uh, in in World Cups gone past you know 
when Rooney had gotten that treatment, yeah. Beckham had gotten that treatment, Gaza had gotten that treatment. And uh, in the, on those occasions, there was always a kind of uh, a feeling around that, yeah, you know, pff, Wayne Rooney, uh, you know, Beckham, mm. yeah, or what, you know, like that, that they, not that they deserved it, because they obviously didn't deserve it any more than Raheem Sterling did, but that that the tabloids were able to bring a fairly sizable chunk of, of the English public with them on that. Mm. The backlash to their hammering of, of Sterling a couple of weeks ago kind of says that, amazing. I don't know, I kind of read from that that those days are a wee bit gone, yeah. you know, the, and, and that there was just widespread sympathy for Sterling. Completely, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, when you think about it, like there was such a rush to explain why a guy had an M16 and tattooed on his leg. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which is... You it's been lost that it's a terrible tattoo. And a rotten tattoo. Yeah. awful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks kind of like a dinosaur if you look at it in a, cer- a certain angle, which <laughs> I don't think was the, 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 the aim. But well, yeah, I saw somebody like, say that it was a tribute to Peter Crouch. <laughs> Now that you say it, that's what he should have come out and said. Because yeah. it looked like him. It kind of, kind of looked like, remember yeah. when Crouch used to do the robot the dance? Like the, dance whatever thing. way the, yeah. the, the, the butt of the, or the stock, I, I don't know my, my machine gun terms. A drugs been taken when somebody <laughs> spotted that likeness. Drugs and iguanas <laughs> to go along with the, with the assault rifle, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen, Mary, you're going to be coming into us uh, every Monday for more of this uh, all the way Indeed. through the World Cup. And... Um, God love you if you're very very good at it over that month we might <laughs> you might have to do it for the rest of the GA championship the <laughs> of your podcast so I, I may be eliminated in the first round <laughs> thanks a million Mary. Take no it bother easy. enjoy the World Cup cheers before the football all starts on Thursday night and distracts us from everything the World Cup of course is about money oceans and oceans of money uh, so we brought in uh, Laura Slattery from our business staff, who wrote a great column on Monday um, about the sponsorship of this World Cup. Laura, thanks for coming in to us. Hi, Mel. <laughs> no, don't sound so scared. <laughs> this is fun, we think. <laughs> or, or at least that's what we tell ourselves in order to that's the haul ourselves in. Um, the headline on your piece was FIFA's brand toxicity has changed the game for sponsors. Um, and so I was fascinated by that and by the ins and outs of all of this and by the the shift of sponsorship for f- FIFA over the years. So the World Cup's obviously FIFA's uh, b- biggest draw. It's where it gets most of its income. Mm. It had been on a huge uh, upward curve for the amount of, of, of money it was it was uh, pulling in from really, you know, blue chip sponsors. Mm. But, you know, just after the last World Cup, um, the corruption scandal hit the headlines and uh, we had all those indictments. We had the interest from the FBI, the Swiss authorities, uh, French prosecutors were looking at a few things and it has all added up. And um, they, in, the, in the aftermath of that, they lost some sponsors. They uh, lost Sony and Emirates, who were, uh, you know, one of the two of the big sponsors. Mm-hmm. They also lost Johnson & Johnson, Castrol and uh, Continental Tires. So they that all went out. For years. Yeah, yeah, they all went out. And, and OK, none of them were really specifically tying it in with, you know, the FIFA corruption story. But they weren't denying it necessarily either. <laughs> and... Those sponsors that were remaining with FIFA 
probably because they had, you know, longer term deals or maybe because they still saw the huge commercial opportunity there. They were all quite vocal around the time about uh, what they were saying about FIFA saying, you know, their disappointment was uh, profound. That's what Visa, Visa said. McDonald's was was part of the SEP out uh, crowd. So it really did change the game uh, for uh, FIFA and the result of which... Um, its revenues are down in this cycle, this World Cup cycle. It won't be uh, a, a big, as big a money spinner for FIFA. And they've had to spend. They have had to put aside money for all these indictments, for all the to to defend themselves through all of that as well. Yeah, it's been a financial disaster, and it's you know it's been taking place over a number of years. There's a sort of a lingering smell. And that's really, you know, that's really just terrible for sponsors to be infected by any kind of toxicity like that, especially if their their market is, you know, in in, in Western Europe where uh, these this is where the, the headlines are happening. Um, now, overall, it's been sort of almost entirely rescued by the interest from from Chinese companies. So well, this is the fascinating thing, like the yeah. swing to China. It's absolutely. I mean, every World Cup there's always like a sort of a sign, a, a brand on a perimeter fence, which, which is not one of the usual suspects. Mm. So I don't remember in Brazil, um, Moy Park yeah. was, was one of the <laughs> fence that. signs, yeah. and they were they were actually uh, they had a Brazilian uh, parent uh, company called Marfrig. That's why they were there, and they were actually one of the top level sponsors. And you could say, well, they probably wouldn't have made sense for them to renew this time. They were doing it purely because of the location of it's the hilarious. last tournament. My, my Park Chicken is like up the road from from Monaghan. Like, and it was uh, on the electronic uh, hoarding on the side of the pitch in like Belo Horizonte during the World Cup. It just seemed really incongruous at the yeah. time. So there's always one of those, and I think there'll be a few of them this time because they were unfamiliar names, basically the Chinese mm. names. So overall, FIFA's uh, revenue this time is going to be uh, 1.45 billion, which is, which is still a lot of money, down from 1.6 billion. And it's the, it's the Chinese companies like like Wanda Group, which is this massive big uh, property uh, entertainment, their broadcaster uh, group. They also own the Sunseeker luxury yachts for the the FIFA executive in your life, and um, and then there's uh, uh, the uh, fridge maker Hisense, uh, smartphone developer Vivo. I'm just checking my notes here. Dairy firm uh, Mengnu, which you're which you, if if you're at the uh, actual uh, stadiums, you'll be getting getting ice cream from them. Um, so they've come in. They're all from from Asia, and they're going to they've they've helped the FIFA coffers. But uh, you know the the really the the bigger blue chips from yeah. from this US and, and Europe have been a little bit less keen. I saw yeah I was reading a, a New York Times piece this morning where they're saying FIFA hasn't signed a new Western sponsor since 2011, and yeah. that seven of the 20 companies sponsoring the tournament are Chinese. Yeah, like, like China's been to one World Cup ever, you know. Yeah, 2002. And they're not in this one. And they're course. not in this one. Yeah. Of course, no. Oh. <laughs> Um, so it, and yet it they're arguably FIFA's most important country <laughs> at the minute. You know. See though, Laura, you also mentioned that uh, Visa, Coca-Cola and Hyundai are signed up until 2020. The fact that, um, or sorry, twen- 2022, 2022, yeah, including Qatar, yeah. And that means though that then presumably they'll probably want to sign on again for the, the try. what are we calling the, the thing in 2026 now <laughs> yeah. that it's America, Mexico and Canada. I'm going to call it the Tri Nations. I almost think yeah, 2022 or around that time when we find out whether or not they're going to renew or not, it will be really interesting. Like, does the the case for it still hold up? And I suspect it probably will. You know, Coca Cola um, and McDonald's, which is a second tier sponsor, 
these are these are names we expect to see at these big events, and 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 possibly they will they'll be hoping that the shadow of 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 SEP will have cleared a little bit uh, by then. Adidas, of course, is just you know completely embedded in football. Its, its strength is football, and uh, they've they've actually invested more in, in the teams this time around compared to Brazil, where they were unexpectedly overtaken by Nike in the number of teams that they sponsored. Although, if you remember, the final was uh, between um, Adidas and Adidas. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, they are. Um, they still that arms keen. race is still is still keener than ever in every World Cup, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, uh, Adidas as a company was kind of slightly in the doldrums for a while there, and they're really making recovery in the last couple of years. So they are just uh, storming ahead. They think they've got twelve teams this time around, including, of course, Germ- Germany. Mm-hmm. They're they're a German mm-hmm. company, Spain and Argentina, and they're just they're they're they've got a they've got a, their eyes on the prize. They're the the, the balls are, are Adidas balls. Uh, they don't want Nike uh, <laughs> ruining the party. Of course, there was there was a sort of a sort of a distant third in Puma, but they their financial hopes were wrecked when Italy uh, failed to make the grade. So um, they're not. Oh, Italy was yeah. Was the they were big Puma. Client. They were the biggest client. Yeah. So uh, that was a bit of a you know these are because a lot of these deals have to be signed before the end of the qualification process. So they are you know probably didn't really seem like too much of a risk, but it, <laughs> it turned out to be so. Um, so I, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, there's a huge amount of advertising around it. Um, there's a the, the sort of ad breaks absolutely in uh, stuffed with um, ads for these big brands, sort of trying to, I guess, uh, build up excitement about mm. the World Cup and, and implying that it's the most momentous but, event ever in history. But but, but even the know, advertising thing is interesting this time around. And maybe it's you know this better than me. Maybe it's a function of of how we watch TV these days and, and how we consume media. There seem to be fewer of those big sort of set piece World Cup ads, you know, like, from, you know, like famous ones you remember, like the Brazilian team going through the airport, mm-hmm. uh, flicking the ball around amongst each other, all that kind of stuff. It used to be that the sort of month before a World Cup, you'd see big Coca-Cola ads, big all of this sort of stuff. Now, maybe it's just because... You know, you watch TV, you watch Netflix, you watch whatever, and you don't really, you, or you, you scroll yeah. past the ads now, and so you don't see them as much. Maybe they are there, and I'm just not seeing them, or maybe for the fact that I'm not. Advertisers know that people like me don't really watch ads, so maybe they're elsewhere. Like they're still making them for sure, mm-hmm. and they're still spe- spending uh, big money on them. But um, often the the split is, you know, they might do a really epic kind of five minute vi- ad that only really runs online. You know, Nike right. does loads of those, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's so it's not necessarily a say. You might not necessarily see it in the ad breaker. You're only seeing a watered down uh, version of it yeah, that you yeah. might be off making the tea, uh, or <laughs> head, heading to the fridge while that's. Uh, playing out it's it's yeah it's, it's interesting there's been some criticism that it's a bit you know it's all a bit lazy uh, like these ads they're, they're all the same same old same old right. Uh, which you know I have some sympathy with, but every now and again somebody comes along and does something funny or tries to do something funny. And the only one I've really seen so far this year is actually Visa's ads with uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and I don't really know what's going on there. Uh, I, I'll be honest. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's for Visa's contactless cards, and he's sitting in a bar, and I guess he's upset. He's not at the World Cup. I, I don't know. I don't know what the point <laughs> is. Uh, miss out with Visa. I don't know. No, it's actually the opposite of that. I think they're trying to say don't miss out with Visa. I saw. Uh, yeah, actually, that's a very good uh, point to bring up. Uh, I became vaguely aware of Zlatan doing these ads about it's not a World Cup without Zlatan or something like that. 
through he was he on like he Jimmy, on Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel or yeah. Jimmy Fallon or something like that. And so I've, I've, something popped up in my in my feed of him on Jimmy Kimmel saying, you know, it's not a World Cup without Zlatan. And I took that seriously. I was going, Jesus Christ, is he come is he come back to play for Sweden in the World Cup? <laughs> but that was literally as much. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. didn't I think very, about it. <laughs> but I don't even think I heard the next sentence of what he said. Like I didn't, and I found out like a month later or something like that that it was part of an ad campaign. But I saw the interview, and there was well, maybe I'm completely naive to it, but I did also think that thinking, oh wow, he's actually hoping to make the Swedish <laughs> World Cup squad. But it just shows I'm obviously clearly uh, highly susceptible to these advertising campaigns because yeah, I didn't. Remember the thing is, because he's got heritage from uh, different countries, uh, he's accepted everywhere, like Visa. <laughs> <laughs> Much like ourselves. Uh, Laura, thank you very much for coming in. Uh, thank you to Mary, who is in, Mary Hannigan, who was in earlier with us. And thanks to Emmett uh, over in Sashi. Uh, we are going to be watching the World Cup and watching an awful lot of sport for the weekend. And we'll be back on Monday to talk all about it. Thanks very much to everybody. Listener.